Welcome to the latest FT Advisor podcast with me, Simni Kuriaku, Senior Editor of FT Advisor. Over the past couple of weeks, we have seen various sets of data about the mortgage market. The Bank of England raised interest rates by 0.5 percentage points to 1.75%. This is the record increase in 13 years. Following this, brokers took to Twitter expressing concern about rapidly changing interest rates on mortgage products, while some lenders alerted brokers last week they were suspending their ranges due to oversubscription. But while consumer interest in buying properties still seems high, and indeed the Halifax data showed a slight drop in the average house price in its latest index, is the mortgage market going to remain buoyant despite the headwinds? Well, here to talk to us about and help us make sense of what seems to be conflicting data is Rachel Springle. She's a financial expert at Money Facts, Jane King, certified financial advisor for Ashridge, and Almas Udin, managing director of Revolution Brokers. Welcome all. Hello. Hello. Um, before we get started on our discussion, I'd like to introduce you to Sophia Massam. She's interning with FT Advisor. Sophia has prepared a short report on the state of the UK mortgage market from a young person's perspective. Over to you, Sophia. Thank you. Earlier in August, the Bank of England raised interest rates again, with further increases expected over the coming months. Rising interest rates increase mortgage payment costs, making the terms of the mortgage more expensive. Banks could raise interest rates on their mortgages, making mortgages less affordable. The problems caused by high interest rates are compounded by affordability. House prices are at an all-time high, and the affordability ratios of property are the worst since records began in 1999. Adrian Anderson, Director of the Property Finance Specialists Anderson Harris, said that the inflation increase to 1.75 is the biggest interest rate hike in 27 years, and is a significant blow to many households who are already struggling with their outgoings. Industry experts have described the property situation as a crisis and have warned that this crisis does not look set to improve soon, as the issues causing it, low wage growth, rising inflation and low housing supply, aren't going away. Young people, a demographic that accounts for half the home purchase loans, are increasingly unable to get onto the property ladder. First-time buyers without financial backing from family are finding themselves unable to buy houses, which could have long-term effects on the property market. Anth Mooney, Chief Executive of Vida, termed those unable to buy property generation rent. Mooney recently told FT Advisor that generation rent is a symptom of Britain's broken housing market. He states that generation rent is not just the young, but is people of all ages who can't make their way onto the housing ladder. Research by Vida showed that 94% of key workers trying to get onto the housing ladder don't believe they can currently get a mortgage. The inflationary pressure is being felt throughout the property market. But net borrowing figures fell by nearly $3 billion in June, according to the Bank of England's monthly money and credit figures. Some experts say this shows the end of the frenetic state of the housing market. In early August, Halifax data showed the average UK house price fell for the first time in a year. However, Richard Tugwell, Director of Mortgage Distribution at Vida Home Loans, told FT Advisor that there are no signs of a slowdown. Some lenders have begun restricting products. Saffron Building Society has put a hold on new mortgage applications. So what options are available for people? Some mortgage lenders are offering cheaper five-year terms. Halifax is offering some five-year fixed rates that are cheaper than their two-year counterpart, as are Nationwide and TSB. 
more intergenerational mortgages could help those whose parents don't have the savings to give them a deposit. Innovative mortgages may be part of the answer, but David Hollingworth, Associate Director at LNC, told FT Advisor that he believes making more affordable housing available is the only solution. Over to you, Simony. Thank you very much, Sophia. Well, that suddenly sounds um, quite a clarion call, doesn't it? Something something needs to be done because certainly a lot of people are finding their purse belt stretched. Um, Could I get your initial thoughts on what Sophia just said? Uh, Rachel, could I start with you, please? Yes, I think she's quite right. There are a combination of issues that we have for lots of different borrowers, not just first time buyers, but those remortgaging um, and investors as well. It's a huge problem. Um, Affordability, while that's changing, obviously this month it started to change in terms of rulings. It's not actually going to help those who can't literally afford a savings deposit for their mortgage. And it's not going to help people who are already stretched in terms of their outgoings versus their income. We're not seeing pay rises um, to obviously outstrip this rising inflation. So it's very difficult for people to actually see what they can actually put down to afford to buy a property or indeed to move on the chain, as it were. It's very, very difficult. We're we're looking at higher interest rates in months to come. And in terms of property and uh, also mortgage availability, it's quite right. We have seen mortgage deals withdrawn from the market entirely. We've seen products go. We've seen interest rate rises. We've seen the five-year fixed rate now breach on average 4%. So this is the reality that we're looking at. And whilst we do still have mortgages on the market for people with a small deposit, say 5% or 10%, indeed they are there, um, obviously it's a much better environment than we had the pandemic when they pretty much were non-existent. So things have moved on in a positive direction, but as well as that, we've now got this issue with the rising cost of living and interest rate rises. That sounds really depressing. Um, Jane, I'm going to come to you now because uh, I'd like to talk to you about maybe some of the things that your clients are saying. You know, have your clients sort of reflected what Sophia's talking about? I mean, yes. Um, I mean, we I get clients all the time that are concerned about affordability. Um, I think it's very regional. I think that in some areas of the country, property is still affordable if you've got a reasonable, well-paid job in a, in a good sector, say, civil service or or teaching or some such thing, then it is more affordable. I think it's very regional. And I'm also noticing that for first-time buyers, probably 80% of my first-time buyers are getting some sort of family help. So if you're not getting that, I mean, the equity release figures have gone through the roof over the last sort of 12 months where parents are just, it's a weird thing because the parents are taking the money out of their houses to give to their children in order that they can pay the prices that the parents want for their houses. And I've often wondered, you know, that if we put a ban on parental gifts for six months, exactly what would happen to the housing market? Because it's an it's a never-ending cycle of pushing prices up, and the only way that you can borrow it is with help from family. We've got family-assisted mortgages. You know, we've got the famous Barclays um, step up the ladder where parents can put equity from their house, you know, into uh, into a lender to help. So the lenders are trying to do their best to help. Um, I've run some cal- uh, mortgage calculations before the relax in the affordability stress test and afterwards, and I'm not seeing any difference, which leads me to believe that the lenders are actually keeping those stress tests in place. Um, on the other 
hand, of course, we've got buy-to-let landlords sitting on cash who are thinking, well, if the first-time buyers aren't buying, I'm going to maybe snap up a couple of bargains because there are going to be people that are going to have to move and being forced to sell. Um, And I've already got landlords saying to me, well, we're just going to sit tight and if prices go down, we'll jump in and we'll snap up a few um, properties for our portfolio. So winners and losers, and it's regional. Ahmed, I can see you nodding there. Yeah, so um, I do agree with what everyone's saying, but also what we really need to understand that the base rate's been ultra low, low for about 13, 14 years. So so it, it wasn't really a normal market. So um, before that, the rates were hovering about the 3 to 5%. So, so I, I just feel that people need to get used to the rates because it's it's... The economy can't run on ultra-low rates. It's impossible. And also the other factors that are pushing, uh, uh, pushing up in, uh, inflation is, is, is external. It's nothing internal. It's not uh, consumer spending too much. It's mainly because of energy pricing, right? Uh, and across the market, um, banks hedge themselves uh, with the Sonia swap rate. So when there's a volatility and a lot of risk in the market, the rate goes up. So until that rate steadies, you'll start seeing the true reflection of the actual rate. Uh, rate. So I believe you're going to see around about 25 3% specialist market, about 35 4%. That will be the new norm. Um, unless the war in Ukraine and the global market change drastically and there's uh, incidents that can you know affect the rates going up even more. So... Um, you just have to take out the goals, I suppose. Um, no one can really predict the future and you have to manage and, 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 and plan better. So what I'm telling uh, all our customers and everyone that I speak to is start planning ahead. So usually we say six months ahead, start looking around. Um, I'm now saying 12 months ahead, start, start speaking to people, understand where the market's going, uh, start planning, start, um, you know, you need to plan uh, far, far ahead just just to cover those extra expenses that's going to come come about that you can't control. That's a very interesting, well, you made many interesting points there. And one of the things that I, I really picked up on was that actually, yeah, the, the low or zero rates environment, while it was protracted, it was unusual. But then perhaps a whole generation of mortgage borrowers have only ever known a zero interest rate environment. So, I mean, if we look at sort of expectations for further bank rises, I mean, what what should we be sort of telling people about that? You know, I mean, how, how do you tell them? I'm sorry, but the past 13 years weren't normal. <laughs> Um, this is the, the new normal. I'll stick with you, Almas, and I'll go to Rachel and Dane. Yeah. So, uh, what you need to you need to go back in uh, to two thousand eight and actually understand what actually happened. So the 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 capital market stopped. Right. There was not no money moving around. The banks that had money wasn't moving around. So unless the money moves around, uh, then the economy is not going to move around. So uh, the only way the government could incentivize is by putting down ultra low rates. Uh, and having government back guarantees. Um, but obviously, we've moved away from 2008, now we're in 2022, um, and uh, it's it, we can really take the, uh, take the hit of the rates going up. Um, people, uh, economies grow, uh, people, uh, people's business models change. Uh, in great example, during the pandemic, 
Um, I'll give you the basics of the restaurants, hospitality. I worked cl really closely with the hospitality sector and, and they were very innovative. So when people are under pressure, uh, people do beautiful things. And I think uh, this is another another journey, um, um, another timeline that we need to do beautiful things and move on and, and be creative. And that's the main thing is being creative. Interesting, thank you. Rachel, how creative is the mortgage market? Well, at the moment, we're actually seeing a very short shelf life for product at the moment. So we're actually seeing products move quite quickly. Now, that may be a case of, again, just repricing on interest rates or withdrawals, but that could also mean incentives. Um, for example, you could be getting cashback incentives, more legal fees, uh, free valuation sort of incentives. Now, that's obviously a good all-round package for a borrower. So there may be different ways that they are looking to entice business, not just on rates alone. Quite rightly, if interest rates are going up, as you say, well, we have to get used to these higher interest rates. If that is the case and they're going to be benchmarking at a certain point in the future, there's going to have to be other ways that these lenders are going to push their deals. So upfront incentives, lower fees, that sort of thing to try and entice new borrowers. But ultimately, if we have not got the properties being built that are affordable, that's going to be a bit of an issue at the starting rung of the property ladder really for for everybody um for them to obviously move on first-time buyers are the lifeblood of the market and as you say if properties aren't looking at good value for margins for investors they're not going to invest so that's kind of where we're looking at in terms of products but in terms of lending um obviously we have had a long time of low interest rates we've also had a long time uh, a calendar of lending initiatives from uh, the government like the funding for lending scheme the term funding scheme we've had stamp duty land tax changes all of these things combined have been a good push to incentivize borrowers now as those things change and also get pulled back that does then leave us with what we would call a normal market so we're looking at a normal market but also with affordability changes on top and interest rate rises so it's a very strange situation to be in when people that are an adult haven't actually seen this in their lifetime before um, to be stepping into and perhaps looking to purchase a property just add to that it's interesting you're talking about affordability there's a and um, there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, press release going out around about the uh, bank of england uh, relaxing distress test really and truly the market hasn't seen any difference it's still still income multiple um and uh, it, it's it's not really helped many people uh right now we have seen one lender below fifty thousand uh, pound worth of income going up to five times multiple but that that was it really it's not much uh, because the market's uncertain no one wants to change their, uh, their stress tests and, and and be more aggressive and give more money out there uh, but uh, as and when that happens, you'll start seeing the borrowers that couldn't afford in certain areas are now in the market. And then you're going to see a push in property price again. Uh, also, coming back to Rachel's uh, lack of stock, huge lack of stock. I mean, you try and go find a property. It's tough. It's very tough to find a good property. Um, people settling for uh, houses that they wouldn't want to live in. Uh, and, and that's what we said. Interesting. Now, you, you sort of mentioned there about 
um, a lack of housing stock. And obviously, government needs to step in. And since 2004, we've been having this argument, right, with the Barker report, that we need to build more houses. And successive budgets keep telling us and successive chances keep telling us that they're going to build more, they're going to build more. I don't know where they're going to find the magic money or the magic space to keep building more. Um, but they're, 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 they they promise this and, and that that's, it's nice for them to keep promising it sort of however many years on. Um, but what else are we seeing? We're seeing a sort of restriction so, in some mortgage products. Just to add to that, Simone, yeah. housing, so the problem is not uh, developers um, not wanting to build. The problem is if they were to build right now, if a developer purchased a plot of land right now, um, and the build cost has gone up. He's not making the margin he uh, wants to make, and that affects lending for them as well. So the lenders have their own uh, calculation, and they're not making the money. The lenders don't want to lend. So it, it, it's not just developers. The issue issue is the whole cycle is the issue. And there's planning applications, and local authorities have certain planning restrictions and certain things that they say that developers have to put in place or, or not uh, and you also have to have infrastructure if you're going to build a certain number of homes you have to have other infrastructure in place and that becomes an, another question altogether so yeah I can see how that's really difficult um, but but Jane when you were talking earlier you were saying that some of your clients have found it difficult and some haven't because it also is it's quite a regional thing so have you found that certain lenders in certain areas with your clients have been quite generous or laid back um perhaps others have been a lot tighter a bit more restrictive a bit more prudent if we can borrow gordon brown's old comment there well i've got a slightly different picture from everybody else because i talk to lenders obviously i have to and i talk to their business development managers and they're telling me that actually they don't want a lot of business right now they've still got a lot of people working from home turnaround times and administration with lenders now is an utter shambles and so as soon as they get to the top of the best of the buy lists, they panic because they're swamped. So what they say is, right, let's pull our rates. Let's be go from top. Let's go to we're about six or seventh. So they'll pull everything. Normally it's short notice. So we're up at midnight, you know, keying in applications. Then the next day, whoever happens to shunt up to the top is then swamped with applications. So they pull and they come back in about so, and that's why these rates are being pulled. It's got nothing to do um, with money or anything else. And until they stop getting swamped and they start feeling the need to be competitive again, then I think we'll see rates coming down. But at the moment, they actually a lot of the big lenders actually don't want the business. And I've got banks telling me that if I submit an application for a client tomorrow, they won't look at it for four weeks for a first um, wow. assessment, whereas it used to be 48 hours and you would get an answer. And we're, so not talking, yeah. and we're not talking about small building societies. We're talking about big banks that are just saying, we actually don't want the business because we're swamped, because we've got people working from home. We don't have the, inf we don't have the administration staff in the office. So I'm having to, well, all advisors are having to manage their client expectations and saying, well, Whereas in the past, we could maybe, if everything was straightforward, go from application to offer in maybe three weeks. Now we may be looking at six to eight weeks. Um, it, it's, it's not that there's nobody wanting to buy and the lenders don't want to give incentives because a lot of the lenders actually don't want to be lending at the moment. So we've got, what we've got to do is wait for the market to contract if it's going to contract. And then hopefully they'll be more competitive and then rates will start to go down instead of up. But I don't think it's linked 
to bank base rates, I think it's linked to their own internal um, structures and administration, and they don't want the work. Oh, I, I can certainly believe that, and that that sort of um, doesn't it doesn't surprise me, although it does shock me. Um, if if you you get what I mean by that, but there's a when you say six to eight weeks, by the time they do review it in six to eight weeks, maybe the Bank of England has put rates up again, so all the mortgage products change. And um, Rachel, I was just looking actually on Monday the 8th of August, um, you or Moneyfax, I think, put out a mortgage trends treasury report showing the average length of time for which mortgages remain in the market has plummeted to a record low. Hmm. Um, so how do how do the how does sort of like the ordinary borrower without advice uh you know make head or tail of of mortgage products and the the, the time that they remain in the market you know how do they how, how can they sort of keep an eye on it i mean they must have to be clued to their screens every single day right yeah this is the tricky thing and as you say it's all resource when you're talking about the lenders and being able to help those buyers so imagine those buyers having to do everything themselves and that is one of the things that i vocally do say and stress to do is to use an advisor because the market is so volatile the average shelf life of a mortgage as you say is currently our record low according to our records is an average of 17 days um that's the lowest we've ever seen it so that is just showing you what's going on in the market right now. So that is a combination, again, of your interest rate changes, your incentive changes, your products ranges launching and being withdrawn. And a lot of those are obviously we are seeing lately in the last recent weeks are withdrawals at the market. As Jane quietly point out, they don't have to offer a range. They don't have to offer certain deals. If they can't cope, um, you do see this domino effect if they are offering a very good range or indeed um, a good uh, abundance of deals then they can pull them. Um, there's no reason why they should offer them. Um, and some of these deals, when they are withdrawn, we're not given a return date. So we don't know when they're coming back. So nobody can guess when those are going to come back for them to then obviously approach that lender once more. So yeah, using a broker is really important right now. Well, I mean, that obviously is music to your ears, uh, Jane and Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, swamped. I don't want any more. <laughs> oh, I can understand that. Yeah, right. Well, now, because yeah. I don't charge fees as well, it makes me even more mega busy. Yes, of course. Almas, yeah. Yeah, right now, with the, uh, the way the market is, I mean, brokers are super stressed because you're, you're chucking an application today, giving the client the assurance that they've fixed their rate, that you've done the full mortgage application. And then uh, there are some in there, especially in the smaller market, the challenge space, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just change it saying well our funding line uh is more expensive now we can't honor it and, and change it um so it, it's 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 really stressful for the broker and the borrower i'll give you an example i had a client who is looking to buy a house uh, half a million pound worth of borrowing just six seven months ago um i, I gave the illustration out at that time and the payment was about 16 1700 pound a month um today we've, we've done the application He's now paying two thousand two hundred pound a month on, on 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 the same borrowing. So it is a huge amount. Uh, it is scary because if you're looking at the uh, from seventeen to two thousand two hundred four five hundred pound uh, of extra uh, extra money coming out, um, and people's um, salary hasn't uh, gone up by uh, ten thirteen percent. So 
Uh, it is. It can be very scary. But even when I'm looking at these figures, I'm thinking, wow. But what we need to actually um, do is calm down this system market and, 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 and move forward with it. Yeah, you're right. We sort of calm down and assist the market. But I think there's there's a lot that we need to do. And uh, and Alex, you also sort of mentioned sort of the the investor. You know, you've got buy to let investors as well facing restrictions. Um, property yeah. investors in general, right? Can you talk a bit about those as well? Yeah. So um, their margin is getting squeezed. Uh, so you need to understand when when uh, a property investor invests, it's a business for them. So there's there's uh, there's operating cost, uh, maintaining the property, and all, all the other new regulation that comes in every other month. Um, so what's happened now is the rates gone up, and the margins of their their, their uh, rental cash flow has reduced. And and some 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 uh, investors are geared up uh, a lot more than others, and and we're seeing a lot of rent rises, um, a lot of rent rises. So. Uh, if you if you're if you're looking to move, it's probably uh, and you're renting. Uh, it's probably in best to stay put because right now where the market is expensive, the rental it uh, it will naturally be expensive, especially when there's low in stock. So there's more more tenants available. You know, and I've seen it across the board. I've seen um, all the landlords that I work with, and I work with quite a lot of landlords. They, they increase £100, £150, um, £200, uh, and it's tough for, for the um, uh, for the tenants, but also um, the landlord, he's got operating costs that he needs to make sure. You know, if he starts defaulting on his debt, they're going to be homeless. So this is this is the situation. It's, it's a chicken and egg situation. I understand the uh, tenants will be really upset. Equally upset is the landlord. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, Rachel, I'm going to come to you and just ask you to outline some other potential headwinds that your data suggests could be affecting the the mortgage market. And then, Jane, I'd like to sort of finish with you with some of the ways that you help clients draw up manageable budgets. Um, So, Rachel, can you talk about some other potential headwinds? Yes. So one of the areas that we look at for sort of average market rates is your standard variable rate or some people call the SVR or follow on rate or revert rate. Um, We're noticing that is climbing quite a lot. Um, Now, that is not ideal for those sitting on an SVR. But again, this comes back to those who are perhaps not able to refinance. If you're not able to refinance and fix your mortgage and get off that SVR, you could be looking at thousands of pounds more on your monthly repayment. Indeed, if you've sat on it since December, you're probably already paying that because most lenders have actually passed on the bank base rate to their standard variable rates. What they're not doing is passing on the equivalent to their savings. So if you are looking to save some money um, towards uh, either a new mortgage or indeed anything else in future, that's not actually moving much far. And you've got inflation then eroding that in real terms as well. Um, So SVR, very bad. If you're sitting on it, really do look at changing it if you can. But again, it may take a few weeks or indeed a month or so. Um, Again, with this... um, issue with not moving on in terms of your uh, mortgage products sitting there not being able to move on um it's really difficult right now for everybody um but again if you're waiting for something to be put through in six weeks time you're already having to pay another month's worth of repayment you've got to look and see where you can actually afford that um other future headwinds again if we go back to buy to let 
Um, again, we can see that interest rates are rising on there. We can see a lot of product volatility. And I have actually seen in the media that some property developers are actually selling back their property. They're not seeing it as something that is actually affordable for them to do anymore. And that's a combination of things, not just your interest rate rises and your cost of living, but also we've also had the mortgage tax relief change over the years as well. So again, as, as you said, margins are tight. It's not an affordable business for them anymore. Um, but even with those properties coming back to the market, I don't think it's enough to do enough justice for first time buyers. I don't think there's going to be enough properties coming back from private uh, renting for first time buyers to buy as yet. I think there would have to be a huge drastic change in the market for that to happen. One thing well, those add- are certainly huge drastic figures, aren't they, Amos? One thing I want to add to that, um, the traditional buy-to-let market has slowed down. There's there's uh, less new entrants than before. So, And a lot of the um, professional landlords are moving into more complex properties for investment because the yield is more. The issue you're going to find is there's going to be lack of stock for tenants, right, because there's not enough margin. There's a lot of um, uh, the yield is low. So unless the rent actually starts going up, you're going to start seeing landlords coming up. So that that could be a a negative impact to to the housing market in actual fact because you need private landlords. Um, a majority of the local authorities are not building and they rely on on private landlords. And private landlords are not attracted to coming into the buy to let market. There's other ways to make more money than coming in and dealing with all these new regulations and not make any money. Indeed. Well, on that uh, on that salutary note, Jane, can you finish us off by saying what? Uh, well, not finish us off. It sounds like you're going to kill us. Um, but uh, I suppose we're all being pressurised by 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 the the growing workload. So um, if the workload doesn't finish us off, could you finish the podcast by <laughs> by talking about some ways that you can help clients draw up manageable budgets? Well, a lot of clients come to see me six months before um, they, they're looking to buy. They want some uh, calculations done. They want a rough idea of what they can borrow, how much deposit they're going to need, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so as part of that process, we ask them to ping us over some bank statements and pay slips and you know bits and bobs. And quite frankly, we are pretty horrified by what people spend their money on. And it's actually quite interesting to look at people's bank statements, especially first-time buyers who may be living at home. Um, and when we point out exactly how much they are spending on Justy and their brand new Apple and um, Ubers, some people's Uber bills are frightening. And when you take all of this money out and you say to them, do you realise exactly what you're spending? You've been amazed how many people don't look at their bank statements. As long as they've got enough money at the end of the month, they don't even, they just tap, tap, tap. Um, and so it's a matter of sitting down with them and saying, look, you know, try and cut it down a bit if you, you, you need to save. Um, people are quite creative. I mean, I've had people get second jobs for a little while at the weekends just to save a bit more money. Um, people have decided that actually they won't get that brand new car on lease. They'll, they'll Maybe they'll buy a cheap second hand run around, you know, until they've got themselves on the market. So I think people realise they, they are, you do have to make sacrifices unless you're very lucky and you've got parental help and i know everybody mocked um i can't remember her name was she said if you stop buying a costa but it does add up over a year when you add it to all the other things because you don't just get that coffee maybe you'll get that croissant as well or, or you know and it does add up and if it's the difference between you 
you know, buying that home, getting that deposit together, because for some people, it's not a great deal. If you're buying, say, down the shared ownership route, you don't need a big deposit. And it's sometimes those just those little savings over a year or 18 months can get you on that ladder. Um, but I think the thing that struck me was just how people do not realise what they spend their money on because we've got this contactless society where nobody uses cash anymore and so nobody t- really takes much notice of what they're spending. Right. So if we start with the small things, the coffees, the avocados. I know, but do you know what? It's true. Hopefully you can build up. Well, those are really useful points. Rachel, Almas and Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you you also, Sophia, for presenting that report. Until next time, take care.